0: How I love your word, how it lights my path, how it guides my way. We're going to be reading, we're back in our journey through Acts and we are at Acts chapter 19. So if you want to turn there, you can and we're going to read verses 1 to 20. Acts 19, 1 to 20. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism Paul said John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him that is in Jesus. When they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands upon them the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about 12 men And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from the place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one scaver, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. "'And the evil spirit answered and said to them, "'I recognise Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you?' "'And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them "'and subdued all of them and overpowered them, "'so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded.' This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon all of them in the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices, and many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone, and they counted up the price of them and found it, 50,000 pieces of silver." So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Amen. Let's pray as Abby comes. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you would bless Abby now, that you would anoint her with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that the words she's got for us will come straight from your heart to ours. And may she receive from you as she gives out to us. Amen.
1: Amen. Hi, everyone. It's so lovely to be here. And honestly, it's so lovely to be here and to worship with you. I don't know about you. It's probably since Revive. I just want to be with other people worshiping. Um, And I'm not interested in uh, doing it online anymore. Sorry. I'm just not. I just like, no, I've had enough. I need to be where God's people are and to experience the Spirit through people. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it through us, a bunch of unusual, different people from all kinds of backgrounds backgrounds, worshipping Jesus together, listening to his voice, hearing his prophetic words. There's absolutely nothing like it. And I'm hungry for it. And I've really felt God's presence if we worship together this morning. And really just thank you to the whole worship team. It's just, um, just a real privilege. Thank you so much. So we've got this incredible passage to look at, and this passage is packed, jam, full of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I'm sure you realize that as you were looking at it, um, as it was being read and thinking about it. Paul has arrived in Ephesus, and there is masses of activity of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that our hunger and thirst And also understanding of the Holy Spirit might grow and increase today. I want to increase in my understanding and my ability to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That it's not an alien thing or something I'm just stuck in some thinking that might not be quite right, but it's kind of what I've developed and thought, but it's not the truth. I want to live in the truth. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is Jesus? And what does this have to do with my daily life? You know, when we, uh, many, many years ago, Debs may remember, we, when we started at New Life, we're a very small little group in Greenwich. It's a congregation that we were both involved in leading. And um, we were replanting it, reestablishing this small group of people. And we had a guy join us who's a student. And um, he, was, um, he was a lovely guy. He'd known Jesus for a little while. He'd come to the university. And um, he was the first student, really, that we came across. But one of the things about him, bless him, was that he used to say, um, you know, we don't want to be too over the top about the Holy Spirit. Like, we don't want to, like, we shouldn't be too, like, um, fixated on the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be too over the top, do we? Because we want to be Bible-based. We don't want to be too kind of extreme when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And you know, that kind of attitude and thought is really out there in the Christian world, particularly among students and people who try to influence students, particularly in our city. Not in every place in the UK, but there are certain places where these, this kind of thinking comes in. And in a kind of Relational way. I know what he was kind of saying. He was nervous about the things he'd seen and heard about the Holy Spirit. He thought it was a bit wacky and weird and on the edge and not very thought through, not something that you could really understand, and really for people who don't really want to engage their minds. Um, and he had this kind of view of the Holy Spirit, and that's out there. And you know, we ought to be really cautious about it. And I grew up in a house where that was what. And my dad led the church, and that's what he thought. You know, I'm not going to make huge pronouncements, he used to kind of think and say, but he just thought it was weird, you know, and really not for very sensible, straightforward people, you know, people falling over, what is all that about, or having experiences, I'm not sure that sounds very sound. And uh, so we've developed develop views about the Holy Spirit from our experience and from our fears and our anxieties. And what I'm, I hope that we can lay hold of afresh today is a true biblical, Paul, Jesus, understanding of the Holy Spirit. Because what we will discover, that we do not need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. But that is probably not where our energies should go. What well, our energies should go into the area where we need to receive the Holy Spirit more and more in a genuine way and that is what we need so we're going to think a little bit about the truth of the Holy Spirit and I'm not saying that there aren't excesses and things that need to be discussed and thought through in this whole area things that we've seen or heard that maybe put question marks in our mind, please talk to someone about it. Because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And we live in the age of the Holy Spirit. And as far as Paul is concerned, there's a huge amount of activity that is going to bring life and hope to this world because of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to miss out on that. We don't want to miss out on it personally. We don't want to miss out on it as a church. We don't want to miss out on it as our nation. We need a third Thrust, a push of activity that is true Holy Spirit activity because our world is full of hopelessness and dead ends and fear and anxiety, and we have the Holy Spirit given to us. So it's interesting to me, there are three things on my mind I want to say from this passage. And it's interesting to me the first thing that Paul asks about when he meets people who are disciples. So he recognizes them. in in that first verse. He found some disciples. So I presume, we have to read between the lines a little bit. He found some people who had some passion and direction and were being led somewhere and were kind of together. There was a group of them and uh, there was some kind of discipleship going on. Now we presume to the God that Paul kind of recognized there's something here that I understand that looks like discipleship, but what exactly is it? And so he asks this question, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, it'll be interesting to know, and probably we can read between the lines and work out why, why Paul asked that question. If you have questions to ask people because you're trying to work out what do you think, do you believe in Jesus or not, I wonder what kind of questions you might ask. Paul asks a very direct question about the Holy Spirit because for Paul, discipleship to Jesus, working out if someone is truly being a disciple to Jesus Christ, There is a um, stream running right through the middle of it, which is to do with the Holy Spirit, which will give light and clarity whether our discipleship is to Jesus Christ or not. And the importance of being disciples of Jesus Christ and being baptized into Jesus, as John the Baptist prophesied, let me just remind you of the words of John the Baptist um, from John 1. The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, "'Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. "'This is he in behalf of whom I say, "'After me is coming a man who has proved to be my superior "'because he existed before me, and I did not recognize him. "'But so that he would be revealed to Israel, "'I came baptizing in water.'" That's John the Baptist. And John testified saying, I have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and he remained on him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining upon, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the son of God. The Holy Spirit is convincing John the Baptist that Jesus is not just another man. He's not just another person on this planet to kind of have a little bit of interest in the things he teaches. That this is the Son of God. This is the one who is revealing to us what God is like, who's going to release the Holy Spirit to us, who presumably Jesus thinks we need. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If we're going to receive Jesus, we need a baptism. And the baptism needs to be of the Holy Spirit. It matters what we believe about Jesus. It mattered to Paul to see people entering into true discipleship of Jesus. And it's inextricably linked to the Holy Spirit. And for Paul, it was vitally important to get this sorted. He didn't want to see people just following their own ideas, thinking they're on the right track, when he knew the truth and he could release it to them. He had a conviction about the truth, not just head knowledge, but experientially. He wanted to bring people into the experience of what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, to receive the spirit that makes Jesus living and real to us. And when we think about baptism, if you've ever been through a baptism, water baptism, if you've ever been through baptism classes and you're still working out, do I want to get baptized or not, or you've heard um, baptisms or thought about it, then you know that so much of baptism is symbolic that we enter into the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're dying to the old life and we want to live to this new life. And that is the picture of receiving the Spirit as well, baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not just having a drink of the Holy Spirit now and again, it's baptism in the Spirit. That means that we ourselves are dying to a way of living, and we are coming out and receiving a new power, a new strength to live by. It's for life, the Holy Spirit. And so we are being encouraged to die to our own ideas, our own approaches, not because we're going to not have a clue what to do afterwards, but because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, wants to lead us, wants to guide us, wants to take us forward in our lives. We receive the Holy Spirit. We can receive a new partner in life. Partnership with the Holy Spirit is the most wonderful thing in life. The Holy Spirit who will lead and guide us. And to be honest... Paul is the person to be talking to us about it, because if you remember what we've been looking at before the summer, that is what marks out Paul's life again and again, that he is being led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, don't go here. No, okay, go here. Okay, this person, not that person. Time to move on, time to stay here. Yes, take that person. No, don't take that person. The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding him. That is how he lives, and there is the invitation for us to be followers, if we are followers of Jesus, or if we haven't made that decision yet, I want you to know that it doesn't just come with, oh, well, now I've got to try and be a really great Christian. I've got to try and tick all the boxes, oh, I better get to church every Sunday, I better, which is a good thing, by the way, um, but, you know, I better do this, I better do that, you know. Um, We've got to follow the instructions. It comes with the impact and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that will lead and guide you. You put your life in his hands. That's what it means to come to Christ, to come to Jesus. It's confidence, I'm putting my life in his hands and he's gonna lead and guide me in this world. That is the Holy Spirit, that is the joy. There is nothing that can happen to you in this world that the Holy Spirit can't be with you right in the middle of it and take you through because he's given for this purpose. It's who he is, the Holy Spirit. And Paul's life spoke of it, what baptism in the Holy Spirit really looks like. And we also see as we go through these verses um, today that the Holy Spirit is essential for the spiritual battle. Now, many people, not just Christians, and um, again, not all Christians believe that there is a real spiritual battle for various reasons, Um, but a lot of people who aren't Christians recognize there's some kind of spiritual dimension and some kind of spiritual battle going on. I have a neighbor where I live, and... um, he, he's a bit puzzled by me. Um, he's um, Jamaican and he's about, it must be in his 50s. And um, when I've been living where I am for about 12 years and he knows everybody. I don't know if you know people like that on your street, but literally he's been there forever and he literally knows everyone. And um, him and his wife figured out that I was um, leading a church just across the road because everyone knows where the church is new life and at the time I was leading that congregation and so he stopped me on the road one day and he said I've heard about you and um and and he was like you lead a church now he's trying to work out which one now you don't wear an outfit so you're not that one over there and what so we had this conversation but he said to me oh I've had all kinds of spiritual experiences let me tell you someday all about the experiences I had and I said I'd be really happy to have those conversations. And then he backtracked, oh, well, I'm not so sure I really want to talk about them. Um, (laughs) But people have had spiritual experiences. They're aware there's a spiritual realm. Uh, But here, Paul is saying very clearly, he's trying to help us understand that the only way to engage in the spiritual realm is by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to engage in the spiritual battle and he is the one who is going to lead us through the spiritual battle. You know, it's so interesting for me because I, I, a lot of things fell into place when I was thinking about this. I was remembering, I'm just going to read you a few verses from Luke 4 about Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. Um, but let me read you Luke 4, verse 1. Now, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit wasn't doing the tempting, the devil was doing the tempting, but the Holy Spirit was partnering with Jesus through the whole of that experience. Powerful picture. How do we engage when we recognize there's evil and they're the enemies at work and something of darkness and something that is just totally, totally wrong? We're having to handle it and think about it. Do we just think, I can't cope with it, I can't face it, can't even think it through because it scares me or it's too worrying or there's no answer or this world is just going to go to hell and it's hopeless and people and despair at humanity? or?" Do we allow ourselves to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit so that we face the enemy, his activity, what's happening in the world? But we're not dictated to by the enemy. It's the Holy Spirit that is leading us through these encounters. And you know, in verse 13 and 14 of Luke 4, it says, and so when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and news about him spread through all the surrounding region." So Jesus left that experience in the power of the Holy Spirit, because when we go through contesting times, when the spiritual battle is close at hand, the Holy Spirit wants to take center stage, and so we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to be making room, receiving the Spirit of God, because he wants to lead us through those times. The danger is we sense the enemy around, and we back off, and we think, oh, when this then this difficulty or this contesting has passed, then I'll kind of get back into my normal pattern. But no, the exact opposite is necessary. We receive the Spirit to take us through. And when we allow the Spirit to lead us through, do you know what the promise is? We'll get to the other side in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll have proved who he is in that situation. We'll have been able to work out how do we stand. The Holy Spirit will have taught us some things and we'll have a fresh authority and a fresh power. And we see that the Holy Spirit is central um, to when we're facing contesting and we see in this passage that the demons know know our name and know the name of Jesus. There is a real spiritual realm. It is not one to be Frightened of, But we need to recognize, unless we enter it in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is a dangerous realm. As you see, what happened to uh, these ones who tried to cast out demons in the name of Jesus or the name of Paul, not in themselves. They were not standing in their own authority. They had not walked through, if you like, the wilderness. They'd not walked through that contesting of the enemy in the power of the Holy Spirit. They hadn't come out of it in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were trying to use shortcuts and to piggyback, if you like, on other people's um, abilities and faith. And that is not what we're called into. We are called into discipleship to Jesus by the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we see um, maybe, you know, maybe it was jealousy. Maybe they thought, you know, actually, Paul's having a lot of success here, um, casting out demons. That's pretty impressive. And they were a bit jealous. They thought, oh, I'd like a little bit of that. I'd like people to know that, um, you know, when I um, declare deliverance there, I see them delivered. You know, I'd like, why, why? is not fair, is it? Why shouldn't I have a bit of that attention? Why shouldn't I have a bit of that adulation? We get jealous and we get tempted into the spiritual battle because we'd like our name to be known. We'd like to have that kind of authority. We'd like to be successful. These are not motivations to engage in the spiritual battle. It's never the right motivation to try and be somebody, to try and get positioned, to try and be recognized, to To do it out of jealousy or selfish ambition, to think, "Mm, I deserve that position. I've been a Christian that long. I know my Bible as good as that person. Why shouldn't I be able to do what they do? That is never the motivation to engage in the spiritual battle. In fact, it's a bit dangerous to do that, that's what we're being told here. But we're also being told that like Paul, there is a way to engage in the spiritual battle. And it's submission to God, submission to the Holy Spirit. It's refusing to live our whole Christian life piggybacking on someone else's faith. You know, when I was younger, I used to do that a lot. Um, I used to kind of find people I was really impressed by or I thought had what I didn't have. Um, So people who, you know, were really good with their Bible because I'm not massively academic or what have you. So I used to find that kind of holding information in my mind. So I'd kind of be around those people. People had impressive stories. I'd be around those people. And in some way, there's nothing wrong with that. For a season, to be around people like that and to try and kind of go in that flow. But there comes a point where you have to stand in who God has made you and who you are in him. And you have to receive the Spirit of God to walk the life that he has called you to walk. Not piggybacking on someone else's, but engaging with God for your own life. What he has for you in your circumstances and proving him in it. You know, I was reminded of that song that we all sing, of Noel Richards. We won't sing it now. But um, it, one of the verses say, At his name the demons flee, at his name captives off read, for there is no other name that is higher than Jesus. And, you know, whether you like the tune of that song or not, um, think it's old-fashioned or not, they are brilliant words. Um, At his name, the demons flee. That is true. At his name, captives are freed. That is true. There is no other name that is higher than Jesus. Our job is to stand under his name, embracing who we are in him and receiving the spirit of God to take us through that we might learn the authority and the power that we have in him. And we're grateful for those who've walked that way ahead who are standing in that authority, who do um, step out in faith and see people delivered and healed There is power in the name of Jesus, but we should never be motivated into those spiritual situations and battles by our own desire for success and jealousy. There's no shortcuts, but there is the Holy Spirit, and he loves you, and he wants to fill you, and he's committed to you and your life with him. The third thing that was on my heart to share from this passage was when the Holy Spirit is center stage... We see extraordinary miracles and extraordinary responses to Jesus. And I think that is so motivating, isn't it? Verse uh, 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even being carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. You know, what an incredible picture. We're not meant to read this and think, oh, there's a formula. I'm going to piggyback my faith now on what Paul did. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, collect a whole load of bits of material. Um, that's a great idea. I'm going to get Debbie to anoint and pray over everyone. And everyone I see, I'm going to see them healed and get sick. I've got, I've got the formula now. But... If the Spirit of God provokes you and fills your heart with faith that there's a strategy to see healing released, let's move forward in it. Let's lay hold and expect God to speak to us to see the extraordinary break out. And then we go to Debs and we say, What do you think about this? I think the Spirit of God is saying that He wants to release healing in this way. Do you think that? Do you think I'm hearing right? And she'll listen to God with you and you can move forward and we see the extraordinary happen. Because we have a God who is wanting to. inspire faith for healing and faith for his activity. You know, we have somebody who um, is connected to New Life Congregation. Apologies if I've told you this story before, but um, I was involved when they first got together, this couple. They came from different uh, faith backgrounds, and none of their family were believers, and they wanted to get married. They were from a different caste system, and they thought there was no way they would ever be allowed to get married. And they... um, I got to know them, and we we got them through the whole process. We met with family members. We persuaded family members that this was okay and that they should get married, etc. And in the end, the family accepted the two of them getting married, and uh, they had a Christian wedding, and they got married, and wonderful things. They went forward in their lives. About three or four years ago, he got diagnosed with stage four um, lymphoma. And um, rang me with um, just, you know, devastated, you know, and wife devastated. They have one child with quite serious special needs. And um, he was in his 30s, you know, no age at all. And uh, just utterly in shock. And we started to walk through this whole process with them. And um, I had to do a lot of conversations with the Lord about how to handle this situation. And uh, I sometimes we leap in, don't we? And we think, well, I just know what it is. I'm a person of faith. I know other people of faith. And this is what they do. They say really strong things and they um, declare really strong things. And that's how we often think. Well, that's the true spiritual, faith-filled way to respond. My response was walking down the road. I remember exactly the exact road, talking to the Lord, saying, Lord, I do not know how you're going to allow me to pray about this situation. What do you allow me to pray? What can happen in this situation? It's very late in the day now, um, and I don't want to lead them down the wrong path. And I was having an honest conversation with God about my own faith levels and what he was giving me permission to pray for this situation. And um, I felt the Lord speak to me about what to pray, And so from that moment on, I did pray for healing and I believed it. But I felt the Lord gave a strategy. And so it wasn't anything particularly out of the ordinary, but the strategy was to do with the um, prayer planning team of New Life Congregation going regularly into their home, praying with them, taking communion together, them taking communion together, them making sure that they were in a spiritual flow, making sure they were in prayer meetings, the whole kind of strategy of how I felt we could move forward if these things were in place. And um, by God's grace, they responded to that. And praise the Lord, he is completely free, um, this today, of that cancer, totally free. And he went through the treatment, but totally delivered from it. We have a God who wants to do extraordinary miracles, but he wants to do it inspiring us and speaking to us about how it happens how he wants to do it. How does he want to release these miracles? How does he want to do it? But it requires an honest conversation with God, not just trying to copy what other people have done. You know, the first time we hear of Paul doing this, the only time, you know, of handkerchiefs and aprons being carried out. And we know, um, Roger, I think, have got some wonderful stories about the Lord using that in his um, ministry, someone coming to him, really believing in faith that Um, if he prayed over this um, bit of material and took it, then there would be healing. And there was healing. But it's to do with what the Holy Spirit is inspiring. We want to be led in our evangelism, in our desire to see healing by the Holy Spirit because he wants to give us strategies uh, for it. And then lastly, I just want to mention these extraordinary responses. You know, I love this. I don't know if you've ever been in meetings or around people and just spontaneously there's been responses to Jesus that just blow you away. You think, that wasn't manufactured, that wasn't kind of emotional, that was just a person responding to Jesus. I remember one prayer meeting like that, where we just thought we were gathering to pray and worship, so we had our things we were going to pray into. And one young man just spontaneously started just confessing sins, like, um, it was the Spirit of God was there so incredibly. He just started confessing out publicly all these things that had been in his heart and life, and he just knew in God's presence he didn't want them there anymore. And it was so moving when you're around that spontaneous activity of the Holy Spirit bringing about responses to the real living presence of Jesus. And that's what happens here. There is this spontaneous response of people coming, confessing their practices, confessing disclosing what they've been doing they're not being forced to do it they're not being told this is the formula of how God will love you and carry you've got to like drag it all up there's not that going on here this is a response and they bring the things that they've had magic the books that they've had and they bring them and in the sight of everyone they burn them they get rid of them we see this incredible um, response to Jesus And that is something that the Holy Spirit wants to bring about more and more and give us faith for more and more. We want to make room for responses to Jesus. Everything, we don't want to meet together thinking, oh, we know exactly what's going to happen. You know, we think, oh, yeah, I know it'll do me good, but I know what will happen by the time I go home. You know, I'm used to it. I've been in church a long time. No, no. Where the Holy Spirit is active, there are responses and activities we don't expect God is at work and we want to see more of that amongst us, don't we? I remember um, a lady who we had quite a lot to do with um, at New Life and she, um, she had a problem. Her problem was that at night time, this is what she described, not my words, her words. At night time, these uh, demonic presences would come into her room and really harass her and she couldn't sleep. That was her, this is in, this is, you know, hopefully you realize this is our city, this is London. And this is her experience that she would have these harassments every night. She couldn't sleep. And so we talked to her about receiving Jesus and she started to make steps to receive Jesus. And then one day um, she rang me and she was, having, she's, she was describing terrible experiences. I need help. And I happened to not be in London. I was out of London. And I rang so, um, a couple who were leading, helping lead the congregation that time with me. And I said to them, I'm really sorry, I know it's really late at night, but would you mind just going round to this woman's house? She's in real distress, she's having um, real spiritual oppression and attack. Would you go and pray with her and see what you can do? And they went to see with her, and they were so wise. They were led by the Holy Spirit. They didn't know any of this, but they felt the Lord to challenge her. Was there anything in the house that was connected to the occult or to spiritualism, or to something to do with a darkness in the spiritual realm. Anything in her house. And she went, oh, absolutely no, no, absolutely nothing. And then she went, oh, well, actually, there are these things. And she opened a drawer, and this shows you how long ago it was. There were tapes in there. And uh, there were tapes in the drawer, and there were tapes of spiritualist meetings that she had been to. And she had, and people who were spiritualists used to contact her, put them through her door, and hand them to her. And she had all these tapes of spiritualism um, in her flat. And so they wise, they said, right. This is part of the problem. There is an open door that the enemy is getting in because of these things in your flat. We're going to take them from you. And they took them from her and they prayed for her and delivered her. And actually, from that moment, she never described these same experiences in her flat that she did before. And actually, her children started to settle and do better at school. And there was a lot more peace in the home. Because there are things, actual objects and things that can carry spiritual presence into our house that need clearing out. Um, there are obvious things like that where there's spiritualism or um, demonic activity or here like magic, um, counterfeit spiritual life that needs clearing out. But there are other objects. Um, I, there was a man who had used to regularly, whenever he got very low and he would leave the church, when he kind of would get convicted and come back, someone would have to go round and we would have to remove huge amounts of pornographic videos from his house and magazines a bit more tricky to do now when we've got computers we have to think it through but he knew that if he was coming to Jesus he was going to get the real thing and all of this that was counterfeit life that promised to give him life and hope and a positive feeling about himself that really dragged him down it had to go he had to get rid of it and the conviction of the holy spirit brings these type of responses where we might want to clear things out of our lives because we start to realize That is cluttering up my life. It's cluttering up my home. Those possessions that I've got, they may not have any particular dark spiritual magic attached to them, but they may represent our culture, our society, the values of those around us, and they're cluttering our homes, and it's oppressing us. It's filling that place that the Holy Spirit wants to fill and enabling us to receive more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I just want to uh, encourage us to respond today because maybe for some of us, the Lord is wanting to encourage us to have a spiritual clear out of our lives. (laughs) He may be encouraging us to take a little walk around our homes with the Holy Spirit and say anything in here that's kind of crept in, that's really bringing oppression into my life or cluttering up my life so I can't receive the Holy Spirit. As a family member who... um, they had brought, had their first baby, one of my close family members, they'd had their first baby and the child was not sleeping at all. And um, if you knew the family member, you would know they are not a person that would say this very lightly. But one day they said to me, I really have got funny feelings about that toy car that I bought in another country um when I was traveling and it's on that shelf there and he said I know it sounds really weird but it seems to me that my child my baby whenever they look that direction they get really distressed he said I know it sounds crazy I said but he said but I think I'm gonna have to throw it And um, what was he saying? He was recognizing there is a spiritual realm, there's something happening and there are things that can creep into our hands, gifts that we've been given, things that somehow get in that cannot be cluttering up the spiritual stream and we may need to clear them out. But let's do it not because I'm saying it and I'm trying to be a good Christian. Let's do it because the Holy Spirit is inspiring us to do it and we want more of him in our lives. It's a wise thing to do now and again. Also, let's think for a moment, is the Lord challenging any of us that the place of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our own discipleship has been replaced? Has it been replaced by an addiction or another philosophy or even another person? Because most of us, we are following somebody, some other ideas, some other thoughts. Is there room for Jesus to really lead you and guide you? Is there room for his Holy Spirit to have that central place? Are there others that have taken that place? And just lastly, are there any of us who feel that we may have engaged in the spiritual battle without the Holy Spirit? We may have prayed in certain ways, we may have sought to do things, to step out when we recognise the enemies at work. And if we're honest, we feel a little bit damaged, we feel a little bit afraid... We may even feel a little bit angry that things didn't seem to go the way we had hoped they would go. And maybe the Lord today just wants to restore us, to enable us just to receive his forgiveness, ask him to mature us, to strengthen us, to receive who we are in him. I'm just going to read some verses as we respond. You may know this hymn, it's a very old hymn. Jesus, the name high over all, in hell or earth or sky, Angels and mortals prostrate, fall, and devils fear and fly. Jesus, the name to sinners dear, the name to sinners given, it scatters all their guilty fear, it turns their hell to heaven. Lord, I just want to thank you that this is your name. Your name is powerful. Your name deserves our knees to be bent at your name, Lord. You deserve us to be prostrate before you, Lord Jesus, because you have all authority. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord Jesus, we want to come to you today and we want to bow the knee. Lord, we want to say, Lord, I want to know that I'm truly a disciple of yours today. Lord, I want to receive your Holy Spirit today. Uh, Lord, I want to know what it is to follow you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to receive that spiritual life, that spiritual wa- washing. Lord, we want to ask you to breathe on us afresh today in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be a people that know how to engage in the spiritual battle in the power of the Holy Spirit. want to pray for those of us who feel in the middle of a spiritual battle right now. Lord, I want to pray that you would meet them today in the power of your Holy Spirit, just as uh, you had the Holy Spirit with you through the wilderness. Lord, I want to pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you are with us right in the middle of this spiritual pressure and that you will take us through. If we will listen to you, if we'll be led by you, you will take us through and we will come out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, deliver us from fear and anxiety. Forgive us for trying to control the spiritual battle, to try and do things our way. Oh Lord, we want to submit ourselves to the activity of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we want to pray that you would just raise the faith in our hearts and in Forest Hill congregation. Lord, release fresh faith, Lord, for extraordinary miracles, Lord, that we would be inspired by you, motivated by you to see healing, to see deliverance your way, to be the person you've called us to be, Lord, to learn your ways and to walk your ways in, uh, Lord, in our lives, in this city, Lord, we want to say, Lord, we long to see more of your Holy Spirit where there are these incredible responses to you. And Lord, we know it needs to start with us, Lord needs to start with us being open and open and responsive to you. So Lord, I pray for any of us that do feel a conviction to just spiritually clear out our homes. Uh, Lord, or maybe we immediately know that there is something that we've been thinking probably needs to go and we haven't removed it. Lord, would you just lead us forward? And as we do that, may we do it in faith, realizing and fully expectant that you, Lord, will now fill us with your Holy Spirit if we ask, and we'll receive more of your... Anointing and more of your power to go forward, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Kora dashina, Randa Sierra, Hyanama Rundosura da Kira dashihena, Hora Naranda Sierra basunda, Hora da Sira da Sunde Yerana, Hora da Satara basuta kiena, Hora da Sierra da Sunda. Moranda Shibiado, Jena, Kienda, sianda, Kiena. Thank you, Lord, you see us and you know us. Thank you, we don't have to throw our minds away for the work of your spirit. Thank you Lord. We discover who you made us to be as we bow the knee to you and we receive your Holy Spirit. Lead us, Lord. Lead us. Come, Lord.)
0: i wow. you